It's the Ambiguously Blind Podcast with your host, a guy that's great up hearing, but terrible at listening, John Grimes. Hey, 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 greetings. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in, supporting, and subscribing our little podcast experience. As you well know by now, there's a lot more information available at ambiguouslyblind.com or amblind.com if you're like me and don't like to spell the word ambiguously all the time. I've really been looking forward to this discussion with a dear old friend of mine from way back in the day, Scott Goshorn. Scott and I have stayed in touch over the years, but it's been a while since we've had an opportunity to really chat for a while. So, And this is one of the great things about the podcast is that in addition to connecting with new people, I get to connect with some old people and talk about some of the good old days and some of the wild things we used to do, allegedly. Scott also told me that he had some questions he wanted to ask me, so this ought to be interesting. Scotty Goshorn, welcome to the Ambiguously Blind Podcast. Mr. Grimes, I can't tell you how excited I am to be here speaking with you. You know, it's uh, it's been a while since so I've seen that uh, beautiful face of yours, uh, but I'm very excited, so I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it has been a while, and we've been trying to set this up for a while, too. I know. So I'm, you know, uh, I'm glad we're here now, ready to rock and roll. It's just good to connect. You know, it's just great to connect with old friends. I mean, uh, you know, had a good time growing up a little bit. You know, I think your house is probably one of the best houses to sneak out of growing up. Mm, yeah, uh, it was pretty good. <laughs> we had a good setup there, right? Right off the, uh, the, back, the backyard. Yeah, the uh, sliding back door. Yeah. You know, what's kind of strange about that is that house was newly built when we moved in. And it had all the alarm stuff in it, you know, and it had magnetic sensors on all the windows and doors with the exception of that door. (laughs) So every window or door that opened in that house beeped. But for some reason, I don't know why, that door didn't have a magnet on it. Old Betsy and Doug, you know, we found that loophole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably pretty quickly. Was it easy to get out of your house? You know, I think not as easy, man. I, I feel like I always was staying at your house and like grant some of those guys. Like I, I didn't, I, I think it, I got out of there a few times, but it wasn't, you know, we didn't have that access, you know, yours and like the the basement or the, or the living room with the, with the sliding door access or Pat French door, you know, that's the way to go. I didn't yeah. have that. Yeah. You know, yeah, we had some good times. Indeed, man. You know, I was just uh, thinking about that. I remember the last time, you know, I was with you and Berno. I had about 89 block shots in two days, I think, when we were playing some hoop. Like that that figure always is stuck in my head, which every time I see him, I remind him of it. But, uh, you know, 30 years later, that's that's what's going around in my head when I, when I think of you guys. Yeah, I feel like that number's <laughs> probably inflated, but um, it's probably, uh, there certainly were a lot of blocks. I know. And, you know, some of us get our get our height at different times and um that's true you were you uh yeah you went down i don't know what was in the water down in tejas but uh like uh you know the next time i saw you uh you'd grown a foot and a half probably probably yeah i'm pretty tall for my age so that's just how it turned out you know it's uh it's just uh you know if you don't mind i want to ask you a couple questions like it's just first of all it's just it's great to reconnect and uh you know, but I always had a lot of things I wanted to ask you, you know? Yeah. Um, and I want to say too, that's one of the great things about podcasts. You know, uh, you can set a dedicated time to sit down and talk to somebody about, about pretty much whatever. And, uh, I really enjoyed my experience here and connecting with, connect with people like you. Yeah. It's gotta be great because you're actually being like, life gets so busy, especially, you know, you got 19 kids running around. Uh, I'm sure you have very little time, right? So it's very tough to just, to. Uh, 
to make things happen. So for me, it's great to set a time to be able to connect with with a, with my old boy, you know. So for you, I'm sure the experience is great and reconnect it or connect with new people and just set aside time to do it because life is fast and it goes by. And times like these, I, like this, is exciting for me because I'm able to sit down and talk to a good friend that I haven't really connected with in a while. Yeah, let's do it. So you want to ask me some questions? Well, you know, it's just uh, you know because we never really talked about it. You know, when uh, when you had uh, your illness. You know, I we never really we never had a chance to sit and just get you know questions when I first when I first heard about it. You know, all of our good friends, we were just devastated. We didn't know what was going on. We knew you were in the hospital, and you know, going through all that because you know we were younger, still close. Because you you weren't. I don't know how how long were you out of uh, when did you move? Was it what year did you move out of uh, Ohio? Nineteen ninety two. Yeah, so it was like what freshman year. And, um, it was sophomore year in college. So it was 19, well, it was the beginning of 98. So yeah. February of 1998. So about, about six years. Yeah. So we were all still pretty tight. We all connected, you know, we didn't obviously didn't see each other as much, but we were still really good friends, you know? And it's like, so it was just, you know, it was devastating to hear, you know? And also you don't know what's going on or he yeah. could be, we, did, we didn't have communication then like we do today. How are you getting communication? Oh, it's probably like the, the, the Bethany Comlos line or just for, you know, like just how that travels. Like just, yeah. you know, things do, you know, the communication is different, but you know, stuff like that rumors and like, or just things in small towns, like that stuff's oh. lightning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think a cell phone can even beat how quick that stuff spreads. No, that's one of the great <laughs> things about those uh, little towns. Yeah. So, you know, for me, it's just like, how did you manage? Like what, you, you know, let's say you came to like, what, like, how did you manage after when it, when it first just happened? Well, it, you meant, you referenced the illness, and so I assume you're speaking of bacterial meningitis. Yes, okay. yes, I am. All right. So I don't know. It's uh, it's really that's a that's a good question. How did I manage? Well, there's a a lot of answers probably to that question, but how did I personally manage? Would be just the just the the inner inner fortitude, I guess, and then that's all that all comes from my family. And my friends and people that were all extremely supportive because it really was a team effort. I was I was in pretty bad shape, and there was a lot of things that I just even physically couldn't do for myself. So um, I had a a lot of help from my friends. So tell me about. I, I mean, I've listened to your intros. Like, what is your vision like today? Is it better than it was then, or is it the same? No, my vision is stable. So I'm blind in my right eye, and I have about twenty three hundred vision in my left eye which is for legal purposes uh, beyond the, it, it, I'm considered legally blind. So it's, it's difficult to describe, which is one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast as well. But um, sometimes I tell people that if I, you know, like I tell you that I'm blind, which, which I technically am, I'm not totally blind. The thing about vision and, and blindness is that there, there can be a pretty wide spectrum. And even people that have similar clinical defined vision can see differently based on an environment that they're in. So vision is really pretty difficult to describe in general. Um, but I tell people that I'm blind and then you hang around me for enough time and you're like, wait you're a minute. You're full of crap. Yeah. This guy's not blind, <laughs> right? He's pulling the wood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you toss me the keys and they hit me in the <laughs> yeah. face. And you one like, hand up, you're like, no, you're one hand right. of the keys. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, what? What? That's. To, to hit the car and I'm like, nah, we can't do that. Remember? And you're like, oh, that's right. So my wife and the people that are around me often will, will oftentimes just kind of forget about it. And because it's difficult to define and it's difficult to experience, um, what it's like around me, 
but I see pretty well um, enough to be dangerous. I don't use any sort of guided assistance. I don't use a uh, dog, a guide dog, or a cane. I do have a white cane, which is kind of the international symbol of visual impairment. And I really should use it more often because it, it, it's not necessarily for me because I can get around pretty well. Um, the, the times that are challenging for me is when I go from high light to low light or low light to high light. It takes, my, it takes me some time to adjust to, those, uh, to, the, new, to the new lighting. But <laughs> really for anything else, um, I'm fine. But I do cross streets. I, I ride a bike. Uh, Scott, I, I just rediscovered I like biking as we've been in COVID lockdown. Um, got a bike How's about, that? how's it's, that experience? It, dude, it's just, it's tremendous. It's exhilarating and frightening, terrifying at the, <laughs> at, from second to second, because I do get going pretty good. And I, there's certainly things that I can miss and I try to stay on sidewalks and just around the neighborhoods, but I've, I've ventured out, I've crossed some streets. And so with a white cane, that lets other people know that I can't see that well. So I can avoid, you know, potential either awkward situations or, or injury usually, uh, or if I need some assistance, you know, if I'm standing in line at Starbucks at the counter and there's six cups on the, the counter and you know, the names are written on them, I can't see the name on it. Can you see writing? If there's like something on the cup, can you see writing at all? Or is it just blurry? It just depends on how big it is and how close I am. So I also tell people that I, Sometimes I have to get uncomfortably close to see things. <laughs> so like if your shirt says a word is on that it. What you, is that what you told uh, your wife when you first met her? Like, <laughs> yeah. We, I, we, dude, I know where you're going. Like, I know your moves, <laughs> man. I, I know what's going on, bro. You don't need to, you know. I'm still picturing you with the cane right now. So we can, let's dig into this cane. Like, I can, first of all, you should, A, use the cane no matter what. Just having a cane. Say, you know, I'm sorry. I have to have a cane. But then we can start, you know, getting you like some, you know, let's, design john grimes cane business you know hey that's a good idea you know some branded canes i like it some ambiguously blind canes maybe yeah let's go a little ab on there we'll put a little business plan together after we uh talk here sure uh, yes I, I like that so so if people are in front of you you can see figures like you you see the is it shadows or is it figures can you kind of make out oh that guy's a, a you know feels like you know redheaded person or you know uh, how, how, Again, it just, it? it just, it's hard to define. It's, it's really hard to give you an example. Let me just say it another way. Um, do you have, let's say you have 20, 20 vision, whether it use glasses or whatever, let's just say, which is considered normal vision, right? So if, if you have 20, 20 vision and you're standing 300 feet away from something, which would be about the, um, football field, a football field. Yeah. Um, and I'm standing 20 feet away from the same object we see about the same thing. Ah, okay. So back up 300 feet from the guy with red hair and think about what you could possibly see about his facial features or whatever you're trying to figure out. And that's about uh, what I would see if I was standing about 20 feet from him. So John, that was a very good description. I'm going to tell you that was one that was, that was very good. That that's very helpful. So I have to get within inches of that Starbucks cup to see the names on it. But then if there's six other ones on there, you know, then my, that's, that's uncomfortably close. Then to they, then other. they call you like Jim or Eddie as they try to screw with your name to begin with. You know what I mean? Then, yeah. Then they throw <laughs> me out and I'm not allowed back in. So yeah, just those types, types of things happen. And I just roll with those. And that's just, it's just part of life. You know, everybody has challenges and things that happen and it's just what you do to uh, react to those and, and get it all back together and keep moving. 
I mean, so how were you like, I mean, obviously like in the, in the beginning again, it's like, how was your coping? Did you have some, I'm, I'm assuming, would it be wrong to assume you've probably had some dark days right after, right after this is happening, just kind of adjusting and you know, what were your thoughts? Were there thoughts of just like, well, what the hell do I do? Do I, you know, cause you could have gone two different roads, which I want to talk to you about. I had a conversation, amazing conversation with your dad at your wedding about that, but you know, how, how did you cope? There were dark days and they, I mean, there still are because it is a, it's a new lifestyle and I'm about 23 years into it. So I've lived longer with visual impairment than I have without now. So I've, I've got a lot of experience working through those types of things, but at the beginning, like the, at ground zero, it really wasn't a dark time because I was so out of it physically that I didn't even really have time to focus on what I saw or couldn't see. I mean, things like swallowing, sitting up, walking, basic human functions were mostly had to be relearned. So I think one of the things, in addition to my family and my friends and just the, just the intestinal fortitude, I guess, that I wanted to, to get better was age because age really makes a factor in that. I was 19 when it happened. And I mean, that's not the age of reason, as my uh, good friend Rhett Miller would say. Well, but we think so. That's the beautiful part about that That's, age. Like, uh, we exactly. think we th- think it is. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I thought I was ten feet ten feet tall and bulletproof, and then the next thing you know, I'm in a coma for seven days, and so all these all these things happen. And so, how did I get through it? I just uh, there, there was a lot of factors in my favor that helped me get through it. And I mean, I could talk probably for hours and give you really specific details, but it was just. I wanted to get back to what I think I would call normal because it, you know, happened when I was in college and I was about, uh, 200 miles. My, my, my house, my parents' place was about 200 miles from the school. I was in the hospital for 21 days. When I went home, I did a bunch of physical rehab and just kind of life rehab and relearned a lot of skills and functions and learned how to, you know, one of the crazy things was I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a technology nerd. I'm pretty into technology and computers and pretty much always have been. And one of the things that I had to learn was typing. I mean, I've typed on keyboards for a long time, way before 1998, but I looked at the keys. I didn't look, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any formal typing training. I didn't want it. Yeah. I, I could type just fine. Whatever my words per minute were, were, it was just fine, right? So then now that I can't see the keys, I can't type. So technology has really been a big thing as well. That's got me through a lot of these challenging times and continues to do so. So one of the most important things I learned was, was typing and memorizing the keys. Finally, I don't know why it took me to lose my vision to do that, but (laughs) those types of things were what I was doing from say March to about August of 1998. And I really wanted to get back to school. I wanted to get back on my own and get back into the world and, and just function, just kind of figure it out. I just wanted to figure it out and I wanted to get out you know, out of my, my parents' house. Not that I had a problem with my parents, but yeah, I was 19. I, at that point I was 20. I turned 20. I was, I felt like I could do things that I wanted to do and figure things out. And I just needed to be on my own to do that. And that's, that was another thing that, that helped me push, push me through all that. Yeah. I mean, the good also part of that, I mean, you, as I recall, you were a little stubborn as a good friend, you know, you oh, yeah. were some stubborn. Absolutely. So that certainly, certainly helps in yeah. these kind of situations. Like sure I'm doing what I'm doing, man. That's right. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go for it. You yeah. know, it's, um, 
like during your wedding, which uh, was a, a certainly fun time. It was one of the first times we got to see each other in a very long time. Um, dab into that. In a it minute, was, yeah. I, I just remember walking up to your dad and it's like, you know, for you, bro, it's like you could have gone two completely different ways, right? The way you did. And it could have gone a whole other path. You could have just said, F it, given up. It's going to, you know, whatever that is, feel sorry for myself. I'm just not going to try. It's like the why me, blame game, yeah. all that. And that could have spiraled into something, you know, who knows what, right? Who knows, you know, yeah. that, could, that, could, that could lead to a very, very dark path where who knows where you'd be if you'd even be around, right? And I just want your dad is like, man, it's like, you just killed it, bro. It's like, just seeing you succeed and marry and how happy you were in your family and just, you know, having to overcome all those obstacles and just always talking to you throughout the years t- until that point, you know, it's just like, you always like, it's like, I'm no different. Don't treat me different. I'm not different at all. Right. And it's just, it's like, there's nothing going on, which is great. And that's how, that's how you should be. Right. But saying that and doing it's two, <laughs> two different things, you know? Yeah. So it was just, I was just like, man, it's just, uh, I was like, you must be really proud. You know, you must be. And, um, he's, he's, you know, both teared up a little bit, bro. It's like, uh, it's just, uh, I, what you're doing, what you've done is just, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, and it's just, it's a path that you chose and stuck to. And it's just, it's amazing to see brother. It really is. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And there's probably a few other directions I could have gone to. A lot of them might've been the wrong way. And, there, there certainly were some dark times and, and some challenging things, as I mentioned a little bit ago. Those, those things still pop up from time to time. So it's it's pretty constant. I mean, it's just like life, though. You Everybody runs into challenges, and, and you just got to just gotta roll with the punches and, and make things happen. So you, the, right. the same would be true for you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, just about thinking about the other day, it's like, uh, you know, moving from Ohio to Los Angeles, you know, you sacrifice a lot, you know, you sacrifice your friends, your family. My parents were older. I'm the youngest of three kids. We're all seven years apart. So when I was born, I, my parents weren't that young. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I gave up a lot of that. And I got, you know, you know, in life you have how many summers, how many Christmases, how many, you know, you don't, there's days. Right. But I have, how many more Christmases do I have with my brother or you know, whatever that is. Right. So, I missed a lot of that and I gave it, had a, could have set up and, you know, been comfortable and had a life set up after college. Um, but that's just not how I roll. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I was like, it's just not, you know, I just felt like there's always something bigger and I just wanted to go explore and, and go for it, you know? So, um, it, it, and there were certainly dark days on that end, man. There's a lot of, you know, paths you could have taken paths you, you, you know, you may have been on for a minute and steered off or just, it's just different, but, um, you know, it's tough. When did you move to LA? I, right after college, uh, right like really graduated. I think I was there a couple more months, and uh, one of my boys packed up the U-Haul and uh, drove all the way out. So that would have been somewhere around the two thousand two thousand one. I literally I moved. I got there like a month before September eleventh. Okay, you know, so it shut down the whole like industry of anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you go out there, and it's like. Damn, everything, you know, act, everything was kind of shut down. It was very, very weird and it's surreal. Really weird. Um, yeah. Kind of like, like the last year we've had has been so, so bizarre. Exactly. So um, I've been out here. Um, About 20 almost, years then. Almost longer than I've uh, been in, uh, when I, in Ohio, actually. So getting right there. So it's pretty, pretty, uh, almost been out of Los Angeles native longer than Ohio. Of course, Ohio is always in my heart. And it's where I'm always going hey, from. Hey, that's, Ohio's where the heart is. You know that. 
It's true story. That's what they say on their logo too. But it's, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's true. But you know, it's like, it's just great. Like, you know, you meet people in life and it's like, we have such a group of friends. I'm still, you know, like when my dad died last year, like I couldn't, like everybody flew home, people came home and it was like a little mini high school reunion. Just the support yeah. you have from people from high school. A lot of people don't have that. There's just a lot. It's a special place, Joel Cothy, you know? No, it is. And um, I always remind people that was the first capital of the great state of Ohio. First and third, John. And Adams. third. Well, I, you didn't give third. me a chance to get that out of there. I know, yeah. but I just had to, you know, we had to battle Chillicothe knowledge for a quick second. Had to at least get that in, you know? Couldn't let you have both the glories. It's <laughs> It really is a great city. And I don't I don't know what will become of it. We'll, we'll just kind of see. Uh, any plans to go back for you? I mean, like, uh, to stay never, permanently? No, no, never. Uh, but, like, honestly, I'm so proud. Like, the, the place is thriving. The towns, uh, like, the youth, there's, like, like, you go downtown, it's, like, uh, not even when we were there, it's, like, shops and uh, shopping and, like, thrive. It's, it's doing very, very well. And, like, you know, a lot of our friends who are business owners, owners now, um, have really brought that place back to life because that went – it, that place went dark for a few years with all the drugs, you know, just all the painkillers and uh, stuff we've never seen when we were growing up there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Um, but no, like I plan on uh, having, I'm looking to buy some property in Columbus, uh, maybe some Airbnb, so I go back and visit, you know, with family. But, um, I, you know, maybe I'll own something Chilcothy, which I have. I just sold a property there last year, but no, it's too small, man. Like, uh, you know, there's still a lot, of, a lot of life, a lot of cities left in my life to visit and travel and, uh, you know, I'll be back there for holidays, you know, but uh, you know, both my parents are gone. So it's my bros there, but it's, uh, you know, not too much there. Yeah. So are you, stuff. so are you a California guy now for, for life? I mean, I'll live here forever. You know, it's like my business, my roots, uh, just for my business. But uh, I plan on, you know, my goal is to have some spots all over the place. And, you know, I've just been really starting to think more about that, you know, especially this year. I've been doing a lot of meditating and stuff, which sounds very Californian, I know, but you know, we, we only have one life, man. And like, I, I, I'm so happy where I am, but I feel like I also have squandered a lot of that, you know? Um, so I'm going to make up for those days, you know? So travel, living, um, just experiencing, you know, is, is, is what I'm focused on. Yeah. I've, I've felt that same way too, where we're, we're getting to an age now where we might be getting close to the midlife crisis. Yeah, I think it's like, is it? You know, it's like, damn, it's just like I just got, I got, I got shit to do. <laughs> you know, I want to get out. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to admit that that we're we're close to that, and I'm just gonna say no because I plan on living at the 200 anyway, so I got plenty of time for that. But. I, exactly, I feel immortal, and I still feel like I, you know, I have still have the maybe like bulletproof. I feel great, you know. I don't feel, you know, I don't feel old. I don't feel uh, 43, but. Um, I don't know about you, but I feel great, man. I, I my energy, like I'm I'm up at four forty five, you know, which I you know, you sleep in till noon when you're younger, right? I'm working all day, yeah. I'm working nonstop, but my energy's great. But I just wanna there's just so much stuff I wanna do, man, you know, and just um have a little success in business and just being able to, you know, I wanna start like working hard and just really setting some time to not just work hard. And what am I gonna do when I work hard forever? What am I gonna you know, where you know, what the money do you make? Right. Yeah. You can't take it with you, John Grimes. No, no, you can't. But maybe you'll go back and do some commercials. <laughs> nice, nice. On television, there. maybe? You know, I I want to do, like, it's another thing. It's like, I love doing that. Um, you know, with my real estate, I was, you know, I was hosting for a show for a while called The American Dream. Um, but I, I'm able to be creative for the outlets with, like, some videos for property and nice, like, high-end listings that I have. I get kind of crazy with some listings. 
Um, but yeah, it's always kind of a back, like something I want to like either create myself or, or get back into it. So it's really the nice thing about what I'm doing is, you know, when you have properties and have listings, I, I'm very creative in that outlet. You know, there's a lot of, it's a benefit for me in selling. Uh, a lot of agents don't have just being in front of a camera. So I'm always shooting, always doing content. Um, so yeah, uh, that and just more, maybe not as much commercial as more as like, I never really went after the theatrical, which I think I'm much better in like me selling some Cheerios, you know, it's, it's okay. But, uh, I think I'm you know better in a, you know, Little, more, of, more of a thespian you're saying <laughs> than yes, you, you have more depth than that. Did you do a, a Cheerios commercial? No, I just threw that out there. No, I did. Uh, I've done a lot of stuff. You know, I was spokesperson for Emerald right before, for Phil Mickelson. Like I was actually, I found something the other day. I was like, uh, I think it was like when the first iPod came out, like in the, I was in an Embril ad, which was like psoriasis, which I don't have. I was the guy without it. That's good. Um, because of the drug, Embril. Um, but I was actually, <laughs> <laughs> I was actually in like, you know, I was like me on one page, a full page in Time Magazine with the iPod, like launching. I was on the cover and Anna Kornikova was like right next to me on the next page. I'm like, nice. Yes, nice. You know? And uh, that was exciting. I was like one of the biggest checks I had coming out. But I did. I've done like so many things. Like Coors Light, um, God, Rico. Um, I've, now that I'm like run, we're on the mic right now. I, I probably did like 30 national commercials. So I was, I'll start spitting them out as they come to me. Did um, you do a FedEx or UPS? I did. Yeah, I did that. I, uh, I did a FedEx. I did a. Um, I did one. I was just running with the Super Bowl a few years back. It was for. Uh, I think a PC geek squad, like I'll start rattling them off here as they come, but all big, huge brands. I always booked a few nationals a year, um, which was great and very exciting. Um, but also it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it was something that was great, but I started, my real estate started taking off, you know, and like it was pressures like go show you $10 million, $10 million home or go to a callback the next day where you might have a 5% chance of getting it, yeah. which a lot of times you did get it, but still didn't pay the same, you know, $10 million commercial we're talking like $250,000 commission. Right. So I was getting very busy with real estate and I just told my agent, I was like, look, man, I was like, I need to just take a break for a little bit. Just, just, you know, just so I can get this kind of sorted. And I, after I did that, I just felt this huge sigh of relief. And I just knew that uh, I just had to take, you know, lay it up, man. I was just, I was done, you know, even though I was mm -hmm. still booking a ton. I was booking a lot. It's actually, my bookings were increased, but I think I made the right decision, John. <laughs> so what's the best one you ever did? What's the like coolest experience Where the, or where's the furthest place you had to go to do it? Uh, oh, you know what? I shot one, uh, one of the coolest experiences. I shot one was for a video game. Um, again, I, I'll think of it, but I, one of my good friends from Ohio State was on it. It was, it was out in... Um, right, you know where they uh, that wine movie? What was it called? Um, Sideways. Sideways, yes. So we shot out there. Um, what is that up in Northern California? Yes, it was in. Uh, oh goodness, it's like the P. I'll, I'll think of that as, again. Actually, you know, my mind's uh, a, little, a little blank on those, but yes, it's up. There's like that the split pea soup. It's up in wine country. Beautiful. We actually uh, ate one of, one of the same places they did it in Sideways. So it was like my, one of my boys from high or, uh, college was there, and just like four dudes shooting for two days up on this beautiful like mountaintop. Um, I think it was it was for a really big. Um, 
Super Mario ops, Brothers. Ops game. No, it was an ops game. <laughs> um, it was a, like uh, black, one of those big, it was a huge ops game. Okay. But um, yeah. so we were up there just like, just up there, just uh, shooting during the day and just going to these dinner and literally like, drinking wine like maniacs and like literally stumbling home to the same, almost the same path he was taking back to his hotel. Nice. <laughs> like, well, let, me ask, his- let me ask you this. Did you have any Merlot? Uh, no, never Malo guy, uh, probably a cab and some other stuff and, you know, maybe switch to some bourbon later on, but no, no Merlot. Okay. I will not drink any damn Merlot. Right. Okay. Um, did like, you know, Wells Fargo commercials, um, uh, a bunch and I'll, I'll give you a list here as we go. But, That's okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know yeah. you, you're pretty well versed in the, in the world of. Yeah. It was fun. It was great. So, you know, but you know, we'll, uh. I'll start dabbling, you know, it's kind of maybe like creates, I was other things I kind of want to create, you know, with the business success, I would kind of want to do, do some interesting things. And I'm just going to start like exploring that organically and kind of see what, see what comes from that, you know? Um, well, maybe the next, the next commercial you'll do will be for, for your real estate business. Then you'll just be. Essentially, essentially that's kind of what I do. You know, I do make commercials for selling homes, you know, like I get some different characters. I have, the, I had this uh, million, uh, five, like $6 million listing. And actually it's an escrow right now in, in Brentwood. It's a, Prince Chateau. So I did a couple things. Uh, I had this character's name is Bjorn Gishorn. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and what, Bjorn, is, what does Bjorn do? Uh, Bjorn is a, is a tennis player. Um, he's, a, he's a legendary tennis player. He's one of the best all-known tennis players around. He's a champion. Uh, he's a European. He's got some long Adonis-like hair. Uh, he first was debuted at a uh, beautiful estate that I had and another one in Brentwood um, where he was... Uh, you know, he, he came out of retirement and then this time, so it was a French Chateau. So he had to play, he came out of retirement to uh, play his old nemesis, Marcel, the mullet Marceau. <laughs> okay. So, uh, it was an amazing match at this, uh, tennis court that was owned by the estate, you know? So it was just a battle royale and uh, Bjorn, uh, always loses. Uh, Marcel took that one. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and Bjorn. Was it uh, close? It was close. Yeah, they're always close. Bjorn just didn't pull it out, you know. So Marcel uh, won that round, and uh, Bjorn uh, took my Porsche and uh, rolled out. I had a nice uh, 50, uh, 56 Speedster, I believe, or 66 Speedster, and uh, he stole it. Mm. So, uh, you know, so that was fun. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> Let's talk your business, brother. Like, so uh, one thing I wanted to, uh, you know, you fit, your dad was an insurance Right. So you, yeah. you, uh, you, do you, how, how did you come about? Was that something you kind of were planning? Was it planning on the segue to take over the reins? Yeah. So, uh, that's why we moved to Texas just to back up a little bit. That's, yeah. uh, dad was insurance and, and he, uh, took a, took an opportunity in Texas in the early nineties, which is what brought us to Texas. And then I'm going through high school and through college and I never really wanted, I never really knew what I wanted to do when I grew up. And, um, that could still be the case now. Yeah. As I do, we, do we, do we ever still, (laughs) um, but when I graduated, I graduated about the same time you did. I actually graduated from college on August 11th, 2001. So exactly one month before September 11th. And I got back home and things just, just got weird as you described earlier, right after September 11th. And so I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do exactly. I had some opportunities, but nothing that really got me excited. And I went to work at um, a few months later at one of the uh, offices that my uh, my dad had managed, and started doing pretty well with it. And got my uh, got all my certifications and things, and got my feet wet, and got a taste for the business. And about a year later, um, my dad 
kind of saw the the landscape of the the world moving and turning and and him getting older and thought my son's in this he likes it i'm going to uh, exit the corporate side of the insurance world and we're going to start a agency uh, from scratch right right near where we were and that's what we did so that was in about um it's probably early two, 2003 is when we started putting the plans together for that and so we did that for about 15 years until 2018 and there were all kinds of different plans my brother was working with us for a while too brother brad the great brother brad shout yeah. out to brother brad yeah buddy you remember brother brad oh yeah brother brad he was a. Uh... He took he took a lot of our the wrath. <laughs> He's always wanted to hang out, right? So yeah. with that became, became penalties, right? <laughs> yeah, poor brother he's Brad. A great, great dude. He is a great dude, and another I, guy that grew up pretty. Is he taller than you? No, he's. We're all very close. My dad. I think I've got. So my dad's losing his hair like you can't believe. As is my brother, actually, which is not helping their height. Um, so <laughs> my hair has, has remained intact. And, um, if you were to press down on my hair, we'd probably be pretty close to the same, but I'm just a little bit taller. What if I asked him that though? What would his response be? He would tell you the same. Well, yeah. All right. How's that? So Dougie Doug, so does he have any hands on? Is it all with the reins turned over to you? Or is he, you guys kind of, is he still got dabbling a little bit? No. So we, as I, I was saying, um, as I was saying, we did that for about 15 years until about 2018, and there were uh, the landscape changed once again as it as it does, you know. Yep. And there were some opportunities, some different opportunities that I had anticipated. I think maybe probably he had anticipated as well. And there became an opportunity where we 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 had two directions we could go, and we decided to sell our business. Yep. And. I'm I'm now with the the group that that bought us out, and uh, that experience is going quite well too. That's great. In addition to that, do you have any? Uh, you know, I know you're entrepreneurial minded, and most entrepreneurs, uh, especially that you know have businesses, they're always thinking about some other things, some side hustles, or some other ideas. I know you, I know that mine's got some stuff swirling around. Yeah, I am I am full of those, and one <laughs> one of them has you're full man- of a few things, John. Well, Rose. I am full of a lot of things actually. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but one of those ideas has manifested with the podcast here. So that's one of the things I uh, wanted to do was just network, connect, talk to people in this type of an environment. And I think you said earlier, you know, time is time is precious. And we lose connections with people. And especially during the last year where things have been so just absolutely crazy, you can talk on the phone. And I don't think you can get COVID through the phone line. So that's that's true. Last I checked, but some people might try to, you know. Well, yeah, sure. So <laughs> it th- this has really been a great opportunity for me to kind of spread my wings a little bit, talk to some unique people, and reconnect with a lot of people, and just kind of see see what's going on and and test some theories. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, it, I mean, just the time. It's not like no one ever means to slip out of contact. It's just your life happens. You get busy. You just like, get, literally, the week's crazy. Get, the days yeah. get faster and there's not enough time in the day anymore. Like I like, it's just not, it's, you know, so, but it's nice to just to take a beat. Like COVID really helped me with that and, and my business, but it just gave me to take a beat and just, you know, connect with friends. We did some poker nights here when, when COVID first hit last year, which is right about this time. Um, you know, started doing some poker nights. I did like a zoom. I brought like one of the top chefs on, um, 
and uh, brought some clients and some friends on. We did like a Zoom cook, like a just a like a live cook with a, one of the top chefs from the show. Bra, I don't know if you ever watched that show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Casey Thompson, she's badass. I'm actually going to Napa here in a couple months. We're gonna she opened up a new restaurant up there, so a few of us are going up there. But um, just cool different experiences. So it kind of gave you a moment to take a beat and just do a little bit of reconnecting. You know. Yeah, one of the things that people have told me as a uh, from parent to parent is that the days are long, but the years are short. And I can certainly relate to that. And I think anybody can, especially like you're saying, you're working all day. They, they have a tendency to go fast some days, some days they go slow, but then you start you kind of sit back and look and it's like, man, I've been doing this for a year, man. I've been doing this for five years. You yeah. know, wh- wh- what am I doing? Where, how did that happen? Yep. It's exactly right. You know, for me, it's just, I mean, I love what I do, which is the great thing. I finally found a vehicle um, that I, I truly love. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just wanting to get better. So I get up at 445 every day. I have a training call at 530, a training call at 730, a training call at 8. And I'm working all day. And, like, I come home. I'm usually home right about this time. I'll eat. And I'll probably do some walking or working out. You know, I'm starting to get back into that. But, I'll like, um, with another you know, platform. But I'm just walking. have about an hour. And I'm in bed by 9. You know, that's the day. Man, uh, I would love to be in bed that early. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you're two hours ahead right now, so you're about ready. You're just at eight thirty. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's just uh, that's just where it is. So I'm usually asleep by nine thirty, ten, and just at it again right now, just because the market uh, it's crazy, it's busy, it's amazing. Like throughout COVID last year, I was like, you know, in the beginning of the year last year, I was like, oh my goodness, it's gonna be the best year ever. Then by March, like, oh my god, this is gonna, gonna be, be the worst, worst year ever. Year ever. Yeah. And it turned out to be the best year ever. It's just because yeah. home, home has a different value for people. Um, every You don't have to go to work as much. You can work from home. You don't have to you know be right next to your work. And you need a room, want a yard space. So um, it's just like the perfect storm here. And it's had an amazing year last year. And it's like January, February, and you know March right now. It's just nothing's let up. It's just work. That's so great. Just riding the wave until it... Uh, until it stops. <laughs> yeah. So Los Angeles real estate, right? Yeah. There's got to be some good stories in there. There's a lot, you know, I've had, I've got, I've got great clients. I've got some musical clients. I'm actually looking for a, uh, a rapper client of mine right now. Um, you know, I've done, you know, one of the coolest transactions, I, you know, Bono was touring out here a few years back and I, I represented him and I actually, he stayed at Vici's house who passed, you know, Vici the DJ. Um, so representing yeah. him on a deal to, uh, you know, lease out of Vici's house is pretty cool. So that was a nice double whammy. You go through his house, got sick, you know, sick mu- music and artifacts and things like that. So it was really neat, just sick views. But um, so that's, you know, I meet a lot. I've, I've met a lot of amazing people, you know. Um, one thing about the business is, you know, when you have clients like that, you just have to keep your, you know, that one's different, but like, um, when you we have active clients, you know I don't I I don't mention you know you just represent them and you do what you do because yeah. they're going to refer you and they want that you know an, anonymity, so um, that's kind of how it rolls. But it's 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 great. Well, to me, it's just I meet the most amazing people. You know, this is a you know the average price point in LA is probably like a million, but you know homes are usually two, four, six, ten, fifty. You know, mm-hmm. so I meet every experience is different. You meet amazing people business owners, entrepreneurs. Um, so it's always a different experience, which, which excites me, you know, just meeting and learning from great people and just having him let, allowing me to represent them on their homes is I'm super grateful for that. And then to entrust me on that journey, um, especially as a lot of successful people I've been able to deal with. Um, that to me means a lot, right? So that's a very cool experience upon itself. So 
just fun. You know, it's just uh, it's one of the best markets in the world. I'm just glad to be here doing it in uh, in warm weather. <laughs> yeah. The uh, well, real estate a lot like many businesses really comes down to it. it's a people thing, and you got to have those skills to uh, talk to people and have people believe in you and and you've definitely got those. Yes, but it's interesting, you know, coming from the world of doing that. Like I always knew where I was, you know, my mom was a real estate for a while, and I was always going to be an investor, and I always knew that you either made your money in real estate or you made it somewhere else and put it in real estate. And I always knew there's going to be a level of success in that in that market. But you know, I was coming from. I was a college graduate, success business degree, you know, and I uh, I can't, was coming from off an acting background. Then I was uh, in tech for a while, worked for a very large tech firm. Then I was in a in a phone room, you know, selling uh, automated trading systems for the futures market, making a thousand phone calls a day. Um, yeah, that's where I really calls. learned how to connect and sell because it's all about listening. But it's yeah. a lot of phone calls. Um, you know, in that in those two years I was there, was like I think 250 people went through the door, and I was a top producer there. But my point is. When I was becoming real estate, you know, I had friends out here. It's better to talk to strangers. It just <laughs> in the beginning, you know, it's like you're more comfortable reaching out to friends. You're not you're, or with strangers, you know, to trying to get them to, you know, because they don't know you. They see who you are then. Right. Um, and it's just and a lot of people still feel that way in the business. But you have to talk to your, your, your network. But for me, in the beginning, you know, I had. You know, I met a lot of great people and successful because I knew it was, you know, it's just, it was second nature for me. But then your friends start seeing you, right? They're like, oh, this guy's really, start really crushing it. Um, and then you start getting that business and the repeat and referral and that kind of spirals in, the, in the, you know, that grows and with along with the other people you're meeting along the way. Um, so it's just, it was interesting, you know, uh, I knew where I was going to end up, you know, visualized all that, but uh, the journey is always uh, a little bit different, right? Yeah. You know, this is my seventh or eighth year in the business. I'm in, you know, I work for Rodeo Realty Beverly Hills and, you know, our office alone in Beverly Hills did, uh, you know, over a billion dollars in business, you know, and right now I think I'm like number seven in our office and they've got, got some pretty heavy hitters in here. So it's just exciting, you know, just for me, just being able to create your own thing, you know, so every time, every hour I put in to this work is for my own business. You know, I've got pretty crazy goals this year. Um, which I'm actually documenting. I'm doing like just, you know, I've got a crew. I shoot video every week. He's kind of tracking my progress. I'm putting my goals out there to the world. And, you know, I'm doing a thing on Instagram. Yeah, I've seen you of, on Instagram doing that. I've got, a, you know, just kind of the journey 2021. Like my goal is $2.5 million, um, you know, which is crazy lofty. <laughs> so, you know, if I get halfway there, John, I'm not going to be disappointed. Um, so, you know, I'm building a team. I've got great people around me. So it's just exciting and I don't know what it's going to be, but, you know, I'm putting it out there to the universe and we're going to see what it's going to bring back. But, you know, having your own business, um, you know, in a marketplace like this and just it's exciting to me. So I just uh, it's a journey and there's a lot of tough times and stress and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of good times, too. And it's it's, it's quite an adventure, quite a yeah. ride. Yep. It's fun, man. Well, let's get together again and talk about we'll check up in on that goal and how things are going. And maybe there's a few other things we should talk about, too. Yes, I agree. And I, you know, I, I, it's so great to connect to you. And I just, uh, this is, this is a lot of fun and, uh, it's glad, glad to see you're crushing it over there. Or I'm glad you're sitting warm again after a nice freeze you guys had yeah, down that there. Was, that was pretty wild. <laughs> it was a pretty wild month of February. Yeah, I bet. I, this is exciting, man. I really, I definitely want to come back if you'll have me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Shoot and, the breeze, see where things are. We'll talk a little music, I think, you know, talk about your dance skills. Um, there's a lot of things that we need to address on, on your end, you know, yeah. got, and we'll talk more 
pressing questions for you, John yeah, Grimes. We'll talk about the weed whacker and the shopping cart and all those kind of things. I like it. Sounds good, man. All right, brother. Thank you. Thanks for spending time with the Ambiguously Blind podcast. Please rate and write a review wherever you subscribe. And for a complete transcript of this episode, connect and share with us at ambiguouslyblind.com.